Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, Guy, Nick Mason's source full of secrets, of which we are um, two-fifths, right? Uh, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK. We are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called the Set the Control Store. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, Gary? I wonder. I think yeah. I'm looking at him, right? But then right. I did come up with uh, Nick Mason's source full of secrets. You did, and in fact, that came up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's Is You Boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, anyway, but enough of that. So... Join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon and me as we celebrate the early years with, you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink Floyd. It goes up to just before Dark Side of the Moon. goes up to 1972, with all the film soundtracks, all the Sid stuff, stuff you've never yeah. heard, stuff that no one's ever Echoes, heard, frankly. Obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, you and, know, uh, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum Opus. Yeah, I love a Magnum, don't you? Yeah, I never met Magnum. Was he, was he, <laughs> Um, anyway, tickets are on sale now and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk. And Kilimanjaro Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets, the Set the Control Tour. Hello, Gary. Hello, Guy. Sad morning. I got a text from uh, you last night saying that David Crosby had died and uh, it was quite a shock. So, and I knew it was a... it was. It was per very personal for you as well because you've spent a lot of time with David. I think you've even been on holiday with him, haven't you? Yeah. Um, well, that was a that was actually the most magical holiday. That was with David on a on a boat around um, the coast of Turkey with David David Gilmore, and uh, yeah, which did have probably the most magical evening I've ever had in my life, which is sitting on the top of a boat under the stars in the ski with the two Davids harmonising and playing guitar together, which is just, you know, beyond magical. But I first met him back uh, in 1983 when I was doing this festival tour. Uh, and this was when he, this, the front, this, this was in his absolute sort of darkest days of, you know, when he was glued to a pipe. We had this joke of where Icehouse let him use our dressing room because it was the only one that had a fully functioning gas hob. <laughs> and so he was led in with his Merrick chemistry set or whatever. But years later, when I, I then, I got to know him properly on David Gilmore's 2006 tour when him and Graham came and sang with us. And I, I said, um, you know, David, you know, you know, I didn't know you back then. He went, oh, yeah, yeah, bad days, bad days. I, went, I said, yeah, but <clears throat> I've got to say, David, there were one or two kind of funny moments uh, that came up. But he went, oh, yeah, yeah, just don't tell anyone. And I said, David... I'm charging people money. <laughs> it was actually in my stand-up show at the time. Right, right. Because I remember you, 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 there was a story about arriving with Ice House, wasn't it? And, and clearing out the, yeah. finding the right, yeah. right caravan. Yeah. And, um, but it was wonderful. But then, I mean, and on, but on the 2006 tour, which was just magical, one of the most thrilling and terrifying experiences I've had in my life was I had to stand next to him on stage and sing his harmony part. To on an island with him and he did this thing the first night at the Albert Hall where he was standing next to me and I was just like because I said to David Gilmore I said if he's here I don't have to do it went, no 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 you should do it and and it's like oh God. it was like you know learning from the master 
But in between every line, he'd just go off mic and go, you know, you're an amazing musician. I go, oh, shut up. And then he'd sing the next line and go, no, you're really incredible. You're, you're really, really something special. Is this with an audience? And at the end of the chorus, at the end of the chorus, he went, you're still an asshole, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And it's the harmonies that really he's famous for, because he had a strange way of harmonising, didn't he? It was uh, learning his part, like learning that one part for On an Island was impossible because most, you know, most harmonies are natural. You, you have a melody, there's a natural fifth and there's a natural third one. He finds this thing in the middle. This is why no one has ever sounded like Crosby, Stills and Nash. He finds this thing in the middle, and it, uh, which kind of doesn't make sense. I used to have to have mnemonics all over the place to remind me of what note I was meant to be going to. These things are like maths, like let the night around you. You know, makes no, doesn't really sing well on its own, but then you slip it in, and it's oh my god, you know, the yeah, magic he's bra- that he's- that man created. He's breaking Bach chorale rules all the time, probably, isn't yeah, exactly, he? Exactly. But they, exactly. but they did him. But he did invent a scene. I just want to just just ask you as well, because obviously these are heroes to us. But yeah. how was it for Gilmore? Uh, to, to David, he's a complete hero. You know, I, I, you know, David has always had this wonderful thing of of he, he you know, he, he kind of sort of implies that he's having a pinch me moment as well when he's around people. You know, that's the lovely thing. He's he's the eternal fan. Because also, you know. David Crosby was was involved in the sort of beginning of American psychedelia, as the Floyd were here. That's you, right, yeah. You know, with Eight Miles High uh, and with the birds. Actually, you know, funny thing is, I do you remember we, we talked about this. His dad was called Floyd, wasn't he? David Crosby's That's dad right. was called Floyd Crosby and won an Oscar in the early 30s as a cinematographer. A docum- yeah, that's how he used to work on documentaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, we digress. But the birds coming out of... L- LA you know be- really began quite two sort of things really one I just mentioned psychedelia in America with that sort of eight miles high but they began folk rock as we as we know it and as it was called in America and and it was a marriage really of sort of what Dylan was doing uh, on acoustic guitar because obviously their first single was hey, hey Mr. Tambourine Mr. Tambourine Man and the Beatles and the beat groups of the UK and that jangly guitar thing that, which, I say, the I, jang- which then goes all the way through Johnny Marr and you know but exactly and and then but I think David was never an easy guy to to hang with was he because he he ended I think he fell out with McGuinn you know because didn't he didn't he uh I think Stephen Stills who was playing in Buffalo Springfield is what I'm remembering from the from the podcast we did with David um, he, he he couldn't play one night and I think David ended up substituting for Stephen in Buffalo Springfield and and Roger McGuinn went you know loopy about that and yeah. I think eventually David gets kicked out of, of the birds so he gets into he gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the birds but he's going to get in as well for it's just, yeah exactly he's going to get in twice and um but he, there was something. <laughs> my favourite description of him ever was Naughty Santa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, I can see that. Yes, exactly. Because the and thing he is, he gifts. was such a lovely, he was such wonderful company and so lovely to be around and very, and like very passionate about, you know, social issues and stuff. And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah you'll say in terms of like band relationships and stuff, there is a sort of trail of destruction behind him. Yeah, yeah, a bit. yeah, yeah. But, but, but they bring so many people together. 
as well. Well, that's his thing. And he does bring people together. But first of all, I just wanted to, because we've got some clips from our podcast yes. with, that we did with David. And, uh, and he's talking here about Stephen Stills and the difference really between what's to come with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and what he, he was leaving behind with the birds. You know, so let's go back. So you you switch bands. You go via Buffalo Springfield. You just you end up hanging out with Stephen Stills, and and along comes mm-hmm. this this guy from England from a band called the Hollies. Well, here's how that happened. Stills was and still is the best singer in that band, and was writing back then songs that the the rest of us could only dream of. He was writing for what it's worth and carrying on and and rocking incredible. Just brilliant fucking shit, you know. Love the one you're with. And the guy's just—he swings. It's built into him. He can't help it. He swings like a big dog every a vicious time. Vicious lead player as well as a vicious he's, lead. Player. Oh, I mean, he's yeah. really good. He's economical. He doesn't go completely crazy, but he doesn't play. He doesn't have the too many notes disease. You know, mm. he doesn't play flurries of notes. He plays melodies, and I fucking loved it as soon as they heard him play the guitar the way he swung that's the one thing the birds didn't do we never played a funky groove we played all kinds of fun stuff and we had we were very good but we never swung like that we never played a rock and real honest to god groove and he did he could sit down with an acoustic guitar and swing you harder than any band you had heard so then of course we're looking at uh, uh, this is then the birth of that whole Laurel Canyon scene. What's fantastic, remember he was telling us that actually the hub, kind of, or certainly one of the main hubs of that, was Mickey Dolenz's house. Was it? It was actually so one, of the, it was one of the monkeys. Yeah, the monkeys were like deep in to, you know, where all that was happening. Well, didn't he, didn't brilliant. he buy, didn't he buy uh, his first sailing boat off of one of the monkeys? Yes, off Peter Talk. He got his he first yacht from Peter Talk, yes. <laughs> I love that. But um, Yacht Rock, Yacht Rock, come Yacht on. Yacht Rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, he was a big sailor right to the end. Did he sail, did you ever sail with him? He, I, I did. I, I didn't sail with him, no. We were on a, I mean, it was, you know, David Gilmore Adventure. It was a very big boat with a crew and it, we did, didn't do that much sailing. But you could see, I, I posted a couple of pictures from the holiday and there's this incredible look of serenity on his face he's a man he's just clearly so happy on the sea as you know as as i know i am but um yeah because you have sailed yourself across the atlantic haven't you with your uh, with with rick wright yeah with rick wright um but it's not about me it's Uh, not about you so 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 the other scene obviously because because now we've got steve we've got um graham nash who was in the hollies who was on tour with the hollies who then suddenly hangs out. I think he's hanging out either at Mickey Dolenz or he's hanging out at Mama Cass's house. Mama Cass, that's how he talks about Mama Cass as well, doesn't it? So and he, 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 very fondly. He, de- he then decides to leave the Hollies and hang out with Stephen Stills and with David. With David, and yeah. They, they form this kind of harmony group, which I think is sort of really them sort of uh, hanging out at Mama Cass's house. But he also brings someone else into the mix, doesn't he? Because he said he said in our in our podcast that he had a trip to Florida and found something. Yeah, of course I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back, and 
that Man. kind of affirms the Man. singer-songwriter with good words, you I, know. I, uh, I sort of don't believe what I just heard. No, you know what no, I mean? no, no, Gary and I are sitting here just going, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, you discovered, really, I mean, these two angels of, of talent, which was Joni Mitchell and well, Jackson sort Brown. Of found, yeah, I sort of found Jackson, too. <laughs> Jesus, man. Jackson Brown. Yeah, no, I know, not just Jody Mitchell. <laughs> he, he finds Jackson Brown. I mean, and this is what we've got to be grateful for. You know, there's also, isn't Eric Clapton somehow in this mix as well? Eric, yeah, well, Eric, yeah, there's that fantastic photo, isn't there, of Eric Clapton just sitting. I don't know who's, it might be at their house. He's sitting and Joni Mitchell is playing and, and you can clearly, he's, he's a man bewitched. Yeah, he is, because yeah. the Joni's playing. All and, yeah. yeah, I mean, not only is she gorgeous, she's playing in this this funny tuning and beautiful songs and... And Eric's sitting there thinking, you know, he must, he had his moment with Jimi Hendrix at one point. I, I, was, just saying, had... I was just saying, it's like, not again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, this scene, you, you sort of briefly mentioned it, this Laurel Canyon scene and what was to come out of that. In a way, it does start with the birds, didn't it? Because they had, what was that? album called the birds album something of the rodeo i can't oh, oh, sweethearts of the rodeo sweethearts of the rodeo you know that was the first sort of rock country yeah. album you know and then it, in the end it crystallizes in laurel canyon with with this whole oh sort of counterculture scene yeah exactly so uh, but, and it was that thing which then go i don't know graham parsons wasn't really connected with that though was he well he so yeah he sort of came well, out was, of it but yeah. it, it yeah, and then that, and of course, Graham, Graham Parsons then would have influenced the Rolling Stones and the sort of exactly. music they were making, you know, Wild Horses and all of that, which came later. But um, I remember David talking about Mama Cass, cause, uh, Cass Elliot, because, I mean, I think, you know... Great parties, oh, apparently. Oh, my God. I mean, when, when someone, has someone done the biopic of Mama Cass? No, I don't think so. No. Oh. Who died in the goes. same flat as Keith Moon. Really? Oh, really? In yeah, England? Yeah, in Mayfair, it was the same flat. How does that happen? How, how, does she end, how did he end up in that flat? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, but, oh. you know I know I know Pete had to be his landlord and guarantor. Anyway, anyway, we're... No, but, I mean, this is all great stuff because I'm, I'm sure our Rock and Tour listeners will, will, will yeah, yeah, be yeah. letting us know. They'll be, they'll be doing their duty as... Uh... Curzon Muse, I think it was number eight. Wow. David also talk about, talks here about, um, in this clip, about, about Mama Cass and what she was like. A great woman, really funny, really smart, and uh, also really crazy. And um, my, my best friend, she was, we were buddies. Wow. And uh, he used to hang out there a lot. And I would take other people over there because it was just, you know, she had a very spiffy place and, and was sort of a great host, uh, hostess. And uh, so... Yeah, that that happened a lot. What is it occurring to you at the time that you're kind of this place is the shit and we are the shit and this is you know just how special it, that that you know in, with now looking no back. you don't really know it, yeah. you don't really know what you're doing it you don't really have the, the perspective to know how good it is when it's going on you're just grooving along. I will say that it was very yeasty, great art chemistry going on all around us all over the place there must have been you know 20 places where, where people were growing some new music at any given day any any given night there were you know music just flying out of the air everywhere another thing that's really really special about david is that gary when we had the idea for doing this podcast which was before 
lockdown or anything, and it, involved, it was a very, very different proposition. And we were utterly dependent on, if you listen to all those first few episodes, those are just good mates of ours who we went to on a punt in the hope that they would give up their time and talk to us. We were a completely unknown quantity as broadcasters. And, uh, and David was one of those people who's one of the absolute first. And I remember you and I in the, in the middle of lockdown, well, the beginning, quite the, um, schlepped through a freezing cold, raining out down to Warner Brothers and sitting in a studio with a crackly phone line to America. And, yeah, and that's yeah. where we got this wonderful stuff from David. And I felt the hairs on my arm stand up because I know he, 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 was a, he was someone that you already knew, but I, you know, I'd only ever read and listened to this man, you know, and watched him on film and suddenly I'm talking to him. And then actually, you know, I'm realizing, you know, I'm gonna love doing rock on tours from yeah. now on. And also because because so much of it is that, is that you know, you, you'll look at, it's, it's so much easier to have a conversation when you're looking at someone. So much easier to read them. And of course we were just on the phone. It was a, such a weird situation. But I, I remember it being quite sad at one point because he was worried about the lockdown. And he, I think he was saying, look, I'm going to be 80. He was saying he, did, he didn't know if he'd ever play live again or didn't think he'd ever play live again. I know. Which I was know. very sad. You know, I feel um, that we should catch up on Jeff Beck as well because uh, we, yeah. we, we, we didn't jump online uh, then. And, uh, and, and I think um, he was someone that you, again, knew through David Gilmore, right? Uh, what's your experience of meeting Jeff? Um, well, I, I, I did make. Well, I, I used to bump into him socially quite a lot. I used to go to the Groucho Club a lot. He was really good mates with um, Peter Richardson from the comic strip. And uh, but yeah, also through David. So like one of my favourite ones is being at one of the Gilmore's summer campfire parties. And we're all sitting on hay bales around the campfire, and David used to like just like to sing loads of Beatles songs, and they'd hand out acoustic guitars and song sheets. And these song sheets got handed round. And Jeff turned to me and said, so what is there then? I went, oh, it's just assorted Beatles. He went, oh, no, Beatles songs are so complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I did record with him. I recorded with him with um, Pat Leonard. We did a track. And I just remember, and it it was just amazing. And I just remember being absolutely terrified because he's playing this mind-bending riff. And you're thinking, fuck, any second now, he's just going to say to me, double that. (laughs) Which luckily he never did. But I've got one funny, what's quite poignant uh, experience. The last time I played with him was uh, David Gilmore had a a very small birthday dinner. And it's when he just finished building his studio in Brighton. And he um, and so he'd invited if if he'd sort of thought about it, not really. The people he'd invited comprised a band. So he had, you know, there was me, Phil Manzanera, Jeff, but he hadn't invited a drummer. So we all went into the studio after dinner, everyone had a few drinks, and there wasn't a drummer. And Jeff said, oh, I can play drums. And of course, as we know, famously, Jeff came up with the drum groove for Superstition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, which that he can play amazingly a... well. It's yeah, actually Jeff. all he can play on the drums. <laughs> oh, <I> so, <laughs> it was like the sort of third circle of hell or something. Oh, I've got oh, David Gilmore, Phil Manzanera, and there's Jeff Beck. But he, but he's not playing guitar. He's just going. Because was not superstition wrote originally for Beck Bogart and a piece, wasn't it? It wasn't actually written for Stevie. To, oh, I didn't know sing. that, but I know that it, it was it was Jeff who came up with that original groove that that kicked it off on the drum. Because yeah, the because the first time I ever um, heard Jeff Beck play, or even maybe heard of Jeff Beck was funny enough on a Stevie Wonder track. 
because uh, looking for another pure love, which is on yes. Talking Book, and there's a great guitar in it, and I think I must have been about eleven or twelve listening to this, and there's a bit where where Stevie goes, "Do it, Jeff." That's and, right, and Jeff, yeah. And there's the guitar solo. Who's Jeff? Who's Jeff? So I'm looking on the, you know, looking on the um, on the record sleeve credits and 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 Jeff Beck and of course the Yardbirds and it all falls into place after a while. But um, I met I only met him once. I saw him play a few times. In fact, I saw him play at David's birthday party, which was rather extraordinary. And oh beautiful. yes, yes. But I, I I met him. I met him. Spoke to him briefly once. And it was in a box at the Albert Hall where we were sitting watching you and Gilmore on stage. And you went off for the interval. And I and I said to Jeff, God, it's amazing. Isn't it fantastic? And he went, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit loud. <laughs> loud? You invented loud? <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, actually, but that, he, he, one of the most moving things I've ever, ever seen in my life was that uh, when Rick Wright died, um, his wish was to he left his will to, was to have a party rather than a memorial which was hilarious because rick hated parties and um, um and so it was basically the family gala and jamie sort of basically chose who they thought should play obviously pink floyd played and because jeff was one of rick's absolute favorite artists we asked jeff to play and he very kindly agreed and said yes and he it was one of those performances where he literally stopped time. And anyone who's in that mm. room would tell you, you know, mm. it was just magical. And he was worried that he might have ballsed it up. So he finished it off by going, sorry, Rick. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> I mean, the sounds that man got out of the guitar was so extraordinary. And uh, I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance with Stevie Wonder is the go-to to, if you want to listen, do, doing superstition, of course, the solo in that. I mean, it, it, there's so much of his work that's out there. I mean, I think what was so shocking about Jeff going was, un, unlike David Crosby, who who always looked about 90 years old, you know, far, sad. Yeah, you know, Sid James syndrome. Yeah, right. <laughs> the thing is with Jeff is he always looked so young yeah, and he was in, improving in and he was getting better. Yeah. Every time you saw him, he'd added something else. Well, and he was I always thought... so open. To working with young people as well. He also had, he had a great eye for talent. He was fantastic at spotting people. But I, I I used to think of him. He was kind of like the guitar version of hip hop, meaning he would just take any type of music and absorb it and put it in. It's like you know Nessum Dorma, Danny Boy, nothing. Yeah. You know nothing was yeah. kind of off yeah. limits. Bark, bark, yeah, yeah. yeah anything. Incredible. Unfortunately, we couldn't get. To, we never got to do Jeff, which was uh, no. He was uh, he was someone we had approached, and um, I, I I don't think we were rebuffed. I think it just hadn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, you can hear uh, that episode that we did with David uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, if you scroll down um, and you go to your podcast, favorite podcast, whatever it is, platform, I think it's called. Yeah. Just to say we're sending our love to uh, to Sandra, uh, Jeff's uh, wife, and uh, to his family. Yeah, and to um, Jan and everyone near and dear to David. We'll be back on Sunday, and so it's good night from me. And good night from Helen. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 